When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Absuck, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. We are all still buzzing. I mean, absolutely buzzing about episode four, Spoils of War. It's not just water cooler talk at the office, and believe me, I have a ton of, a ton of that. And, my, you know, I work at Collider, and I, I host a, a Game of Thrones after show, a recap and review show. I'm not just talking about that kind of talk. It's what everyone is talking about on lunch breaks. Guests coming in for other shows uh, in the conference rooms are talking about it. We're ending meetings discussing it like, oh, great meeting. Uh, but did you guys see that episode? Of course I saw it. Let's talk about it. I was walking to get lunch in downtown Burbank, crossing through uh, a busy shopping mall area. And two people, two people behind me were talking about it. Literally, everyone is talking about it. Episode, episode, it was a home run. I think because the large part, for me at least, it's seeing this idea. We finally saw the dragons in action on a giant level, on the level that we've either waited for, if you're a fan of the show, or you've read about for a long time, or you study. If you read some of the Game of Thrones history books and and Reddit subthreads and subreddits and and websites, and if you go through. All that kind of stuff. I, you know, I've been reading about. Uh, I, I follow Alt Shift X on YouTube. I highly suggest you guys do it. Great source for Game of Thrones history and lessons. And and there's a ton of other people on YouTube who do that stuff. And we've all been studying that. And we've been hearing these stories of Aegon's conquest, riding Balyrian the Dread, Rainy's uh, riding Meraxes, and all these kind of things. And we finally really got to see it for the first time. Danny's dragons have been in some sort of action. Uh, I, I, I go back to Astapor when she, uh, you know, bested Krasny's, and uh, we got to see Drogon in action there. But he was, he was a tiny little spurt of a dragon. Season two, House of the Undying, we got to see that. We got to see last season. We did see, you know, the three dragons burn a ship, but it was one ship, and it was cool, but it wasn't a fight. It wasn't a war. It was a demonstration. Now we got to see them in action. We got to see Danny high atop, striding this, riding this dragon high atop a battle, wreaking down havoc, and it was executed in such a perfect way. It, it has got me thinking, though, what will Cersei and the rest of the surviving Lannisters need to do to defeat it? And I think, just as we could look at the history with Aegon's conquest as a path for Danny to take over, and that question's been posed and answered many other times uh, on Game of Thrones shows, but we talked about it yesterday. Uh, and I wanted to go back to history again today when you look at how Dorne defeated the dragons. Here's how they did it. They just didn't let them defeat them. And it seems simple. When Aegon Targaryen turned his attention finally to the Seventh Kingdom that he needed to get to take over Westeros, well, they flew on down to Dorne, and they couldn't find anyone to burn. Just innocent civilians, women and children, old, feeble. No castles were full of warriors, and the Dornish would come out when they couldn't strike. Guerrilla tactics. You could burn our castles, burn them to the ground, 
but you're not going to burn our people. And so it worked. Took some time. We know that. But Dorn stood. They did not bow. And Miriam Martell told Rainies, you know, we'll not fight you. Not going to kneel. Dorn has no king. Go tell Aegon that. Tell your brother that. Unbowed, unbent, unbroken, and they remain so. Now, can Cersei execute that kind of plan? How can the Lannisters take down these dragons? It can't just be the scorpion bolts. Those are tough shots. Bronn's a talent. He's a great warrior. He missed once. Used once one under Dothraki, loaded again, missed once and got one shot in that only succeeded in injuring Drogon and not taking him out of the battle. So, how, how can Cersei defeat these dragons? How can she win? Do you want Cersei to win? Some might. I think you have to look at the past. Run and hide. And then emerge when it's time to fight. What do you guys think? How else could Cersei win? Can she win at all? Maybe you don't want it. It's Daily Thrones, and some of more of some more of your reactions are coming right here now on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken. This is Jeremy. Hey, I just finally finished watching uh, Spoils of War for the second time, and I have to say, even for the second time, it's just more amazing. And the reunions that there's Arya, Sansa, Arya, Brand, Arya, Brienne, and that fight between Brienne and Arya was just awesome. Just quick little ninja she is, and then John, he just knows what works, and apparently caves work. And the dragons, who can say enough about the dragons? Just crazy. I was so worried Bronn was gonna get it. I. He's he's the guy, you know. I'm wondering if next episode are we gonna see Tyrion begging for his brother's life, or we're gonna see, uh, or maybe Jamie gets away. I don't know. We'll see. Hello, Ken. My wife and I really love this episode. I think it's our favorite from all of them, in every single season. It's just a spectacular episode, really. Um, we were just screaming and yelling of excitement and just, you know, that cliffhanger had us like, no, it ended. We almost cried and everything. Uh, our neighbors were like, what the hell are these guys doing over there? Anyways, two important like conversation point I want to bring up was Danny and uh, Jon Snow in the, in the dragon glass cave. It had kind of like a romantic vibe to it, didn't it? I know they're related, so it's kind of weird. Um, did anybody else get that? Also, Bron and, you know, in that whole war, he's such a likable character. We were like, don't kill him. But he was like, gonna kill the dragon. So I was like, kill him. Uh, I hate they put us in between the, the sword and the wall situation here. Did anybody else feel like that? Did you catch? Hi, Ken. Love the show. Uh, I was just wondering what you think of the idea that uh, there will be a Tyrion Braun reunion next week. And since Braun used to work for and be kind of friends with Tyrion, that he will twitch allegiances and join with Tyrion and Daenerys now that he looks like he's captured. Hey, Ken. Um, 
just thinking about Jamie, and if we assume for a second that Daenerys and her forces fish Jamie and Bronn out of the water and take them prisoner, is there a chance we could see Tyrion help Jamie escape? A Lannister always pays their debts, or so we're told, and Jamie helped Tyrion escape his imprisonment in King's Landing, which resulted in the death of their father, the murder of their father at the hands of Tyrion. Is there a chance we could see Tyrion repay that debt and let Jamie go? Uh, just something that crossed my mind. I uh, would love to hear your thoughts, either here or on Collider Thronestock. Have a great day. Your calls and reactions for Episode 4, Spoils of War, are still coming in. This episode is creating a lot of fun questions and great reactions. Keep calling into the station, of course. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at KenNapsock. Use the hashtag Daily Thrones. Two calls up. John and Sir Thomas Tatal, our good friend Thomas, calling in with two different questions on kind of a potential same scenario. At the end of this episode, we see what we believe, I do believe, we all believe, is Braun saving Jamie, not their horses, <laughs> saving Jamie. Uh, look, I, I think let's say what it is. Uh, we talked about it on Thrones Talk on Collider. Rachel brought it up. Jamie's got on plot armor, meaning we still need him. He's got things to do. And though Game of Thrones is a show and a story that, uh, thanks to George R. R. Martin setting the tone early on, um, anyone can go at any time. I agree with that. Uh, I could think I, I, I could see Braun dying. Maybe Braun saves Jamie. Maybe Braun should have died in the fight. There's some debate about that, and I kind of agree with that notion, too, about that maybe that fight should have cost us a main character. But I'm going to assume that Braun pulls up Jamie and his armor and his, and his golden hand, saves him, pulls him to shore where Danny's waiting. I think, I think we're going to see her pull a bit of an egg on and have some people bend the knee. She loves that phrase. Hashtag bend the knee. But Tyrion will be there. Tyrion will be there. And Tyrion has a long friendship with Bronn. It might have been fueled by gold, but you cannot deny the connection, the friendship, the kinship that was there. This will be the first time they've seen them, seen each other since Bronn turned down the uh, chance to be Tyrion's champion. No hard feelings from Tyrion, I don't think. He won't let Braun burn just for that. Will he step in and do something there? Will 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 Danny kill Braun though, causing even more tension with Tyrion? We absolutely know that Danny's kind of questioning him a little bit. Maybe you are loyal to your family more than even you know. And then when the Dothraki says, "Hey man, your people can't fight," it absolutely affects Tyrion. These are his family colors, his family soldiers, his family being burned and put into danger on this field of fire. And Sir Thomas has a great call, as he always does, with the Lannisters paying their debts. If Jamie is captured, and it's not going well, and he's in Danny's grasps, there is a debt that Tyrion has to Jamie. Jamie let him go. Yet did lead to the death of their father. Eh, Jamie wasn't happy about that. He's made some, well, Remarks to Braun about what would happen if Tyrion is in front of him based on him killing his father. But eh, time has passed. Time heals all wounds, right? Tyrion has a debt. And will the debt be paid? Would he help Jamie? That's even more than this connection to Braun. Jamie is kin. Jamie is his brother. And does a Lannister not only pay their debts, does a, a Lannister pay their debts when it comes to family? You have to wonder. 
Jamie and Braun and Tyrion could find themselves in a very interesting situation. I never thought I'd say that I doubt Tyrion's loyalty to Danny, but I could see it starting to emerge well beyond just watching Lannister soldiers burn. Tyrion might have some heavy things on his heart and some big questions to answer. What do you guys think? What will Tyrion do with faced, faced with this situation? Friend and brother captured in front of him, about to be burned by a dragon. Where do Tyrion's loyalties lie? Continue here on Daily Thrones. See, Ken, you brought up the very thing that I wanted to talk about. I'm noticing how everybody is going on about Danny's actions, and they're thinking, oh, is she going bad? Is she going mad? No, she's not. She's going conqueror. And here's the thing. Let's take a look back at everything she's been through. Let's take a look at all the things she has had to do in order to get what she wants. Now, she has tried being civil. She has tried doing things the peaceful way, and none of those times have worked out for her. It's only when she exudes violence is when things get done. Think about all the times she accomplished a goal. It's through violence, because she had to, because she's a conqueror. That's what it's all about. She's not going mad. She's going conqueror, like Aegon. Hi, guys. It's Nikki. Um, I don't think that Danny is going bad. I, I can't see that in anything that has been written in the books or uh, in the show up to this point that she wouldn't have that drastic a sea change and, and just, you know, become the Mad Queen. So I, I can't see that happening. And I think it's all part of her being the right ruler for the right time and i believe that she is and i believe that we will see john snow bend the knee for her and i'm really looking forward to that and the dragons were amazing the whole show was uh, amazing it was just great what's up ken this is phil over at the Say What You Like Sports Podcast. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of my thoughts on what I'm seeing going on in Game of Thrones. Now, when you look back at Season 1, Ned Stark traveled south, and he pretty much spent the whole season just completely out of his element. None of his tricks or beliefs were working for him, and it pretty much ended up with his death at the end. Now, in Season 7, I'm noticing something very similar happening, happening to Peter Baelish, and he went north, and none of his tricks are working for him up north, and he's completely out of his element. And I'm wondering, do you think that this is going to end up the same way it ended up for Ned Stark, with him completely out of his element, and finally just ending in his death at the end of the season? Closing out the broadcast day with a great question and theory and thought starter from Say What You Feel at Say What You Want Sports here on Anchor. Check it out. Um, this idea... This kind of reverse storytelling, where in season one, Ned goes south, he's out of his element, all his tactics and his beliefs don't work, they don't translate, and he ends up dead. We've heard this echoed again this season, when the North was talking to Jon Snow, don't go south, every Stark that goes south, something goes wrong. Ned, don't forget his father and brother before him, Ned, Rob Stark, 
it's not working out. Sansa, you could really say that too. Arya, at that point when they're talking to John, they believe Arya could be dead. It's not going well. Starks head south. But on the flip side, the north is very different. And Peter Baelish has worked his dark, dark magic, his dark strategies all across the land, causing quite the problems from time to time and rising, using that ladder, that chaos ladder. And it's worked so well until this season. A lot of people are noticing that Baelish definitely seems off his game. He doesn't seem like the Baelish who's been in control. He's giving weird looks to Maester Wolken about uh, Raven's messages that might be saved. And, of course, Bran pulls the ultimate, oh, don't worry, I know who you are. And Baelish tries to suck up by handing him the cat's paw Valerian steel dagger. Talking so nice about his late mother and how he could have been there. Bran's like, yeah, chaos, huh? Chaos is the ladder. Right, Baelish? It's not going well for Baelish. I never thought I'd see the day that Peter Baelish would be out of his element. But I think Phil's right. Baelish has gone too far north. He's out of his element, Donnie. It's not looking good. I used to think Peter Peter Baelish could end up on the throne, even if that throne was above ashes. Now, for the first time ever, I'm doubting the power of Littlefinger. I think his days are numbered. What do you guys think? Keep your calls and reactions to this episode coming in. All your theories. There's a lot of calls on my uh, queue here that I need to get to, need to post. You guys, if you haven't heard your call yet, you still might hear it. Call in with a great theory. I love it here. Daily Thrones is about your voice along with mine. That's what we do here on Anchor. Favorite the station so you don't miss a broadcast. We're on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Google Home. Just say, okay, Google, I want to hear the latest from Daily Thrones. Guys, find me on Twitter at Ken Napsuck. Use the hashtag Daily Thrones to join the conversation there. So much still to talk about. We'll see you tomorrow on Daily Thrones.